Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Stolen land, reparations, fireworks, and... We get some of our freedom back. That's what we missed while we were gone. I'm Andrew Coppins. He's Pat Oni. And of course, this is Critical Thinking. Oh, Pat, I hope you had a really good 4th of July weekend and some time uh, in downtime, more importantly, before the uh, the little one comes. Uh downtime i i'm not sure i know what that is at the moment considering we're putting the baby's room together mm. I'm, I'm working on that so that that was my project over the weekend um it's not quite done yet but uh it's it's made a lot of progress so good good to know good to know yeah and my dad um we went to well attempted the uh the nascar race weekend here um it uh six inches of rain got in our way in less than 24 hours. Um, well, and mean, so, yeah, we ironically, we saw the entirety of the Xfinity race. Um, and then, um, well, um, didn't go on Sunday and they managed to somehow sneak in at the last second, the, uh, the NASCAR cup race. Uh, but it was a good time. Um, I would highly recommend anybody who, would like to experience NASCAR to experience it in a very different way. Um, this was a blast. We had a really good time. Um, it was well put together from a logistical standpoint when you got there. And I will just say that the communication of what the hell was going on um, and should we or should we not expect to go down there and go to the actual events on Sunday was a little wanting, but I'm sure they'll learn from it. And I'm sure that we will not get, check this out, Pat, three times the previous high for rain in a 24-hour period for July 1st and 2nd. Hmm. I, I don't know that I would have pegged you for a NASCAR fan, by the way. Um, I'm more Formula One um open wheel racing uh, type of a guy, but uh, I'll, I'll catch the NASCAR races here and there, especially Daytona and 
and uh, the bigger races of the year. Fair enough. Fair enough. But it was my first time. And then uh, so it was just good to have some father son time and dad stayed through the fourth. And and then we promptly had more rain yesterday because we needed it. Can you send some of that rain back west? Yeah, we've only we've only had three flash flood warnings in the last three days. Yeah, send some of that back west. <laughs> Gladly at this point. Gladly. Uh, but beyond all of that, I hope you are all well rested out there in the critical thinking audience. I hope you all had a really good time. Um you know, it was good for us to kind of do some things. But uh, before we get into the bulk of today's show, just a reminder, Pat will fly solo next week as I will be out um, in uh, enjoying Wisconsin um, and uh, doing some family stuff. So, um, yeah, so uh, Pat will fly solo. He'll have shows for you all week next week. And uh, so look at look for that on your favorite uh, podcasting platform of choice. Do not forget, you can always watch our show on Rumble. Uh, Rumble channel is rumble.com backslash critical thinking. Rumble.com backslash critical thinking. And, of course, I'm at the Coppin Show. He's at the Pat Oni Show on your Twitters and other social media platforms. With that having been said, Pat, uh, 4th of July tends to bring out the craziest of all sorts. I, I don't know about you, but I, that's what I see. Oh, I, I saw some doozy posts uh, on social media. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the last mm-hmm. few days of, of people doing very stupid things with fireworks. I think it was f- both very concerning and entertaining. Yeah. And I think my favorite meme out there is the one where the guy's holding like a firework in his hand and happy 4th of July. And then uh, the bottom is uh, July 5th and it's uh, Stubbs from uh, Happy Gilmore <laughs> with the with the uh, artificial <laughs> yeah. hand. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tap, 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 a <laughs> Oh, man. So I don't know about you, Pat, but I can't think of anything that is more predictable and or infuriating than what left us like Corey Bush and the, the fine folks behind Ben and Jerry's um, have decided to do every 4th of July. The, the call for reparations from slavery and the call from... Uh, to return stolen indigenous land, right? And, and, and I'm going to show you this because this is Ben and Jerry's tweeting this out on the 4th of July. This 4th of July, it's high time we recognize that the U.S. exists on stolen indigenous land and commit to returning it. Learn more and take action now. The United States was founded on stolen indigenous land. This 4th of July, let's commit to returning it. I'm just going to go here real quick, Pat. Um, You first, Ben and Jerry's, because you exist in the state of Vermont, right? You're headquartered in the state of Vermont, which was what, Pat? Uh, Original colony? Um, Well, it was part of the Massachusetts Bay Colony originally, yes. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And that didn't exist on stolen land at all it existed on land in which um they either bargained for or won in war by the way most people do not understand that most people do not understand that when the pilgrims came over 
and landed in the Plymouth in what would later become the Massachusetts Bay Colony, right? When they landed there, number one, their charter from England was for Northern Virginia. They were hoping to be able to link up with the people of Jamestown, right? Or found or find something close to that so that they could begin to, to form. But the providential nature of that era of our founding, if you will, is unbelievable. The, the combination of things that had to happen to allow for the people of Plymouth and, and the pilgrims that came over on the Mayflower, which was, by the way, one of three ships. The other two ships completely broke before they even um, were able to get off of Plymouth in England. Okay. Most people don't know that there were supposed to be three ships, not one, but the Mayflower comes over the, the first that, so the first thing is number one, that it was just one of three ships. The number two, Pat, the Providence unheard of, never before recorded wind and weather blows them from Northern Virginia to Cape Cod because they didn't just land at Plymouth Rock, okay? That's not where they landed originally. They originally landed in Cape Cod. And then they found Cape Cod to be inhabitable for them. So they continued, and then they found the area known as Plymouth today. They were blown so far off course that they ended up from Northern Virginia, where their goal was, to Massachusetts. Just a few thousand miles off, right? Or about a thousand, maybe 1,500 miles off. Just just a little bit off. So that's number two on the list. Number three on this list, Pat, is that where they actually decide to set up ship, right? Where they decide to, to go. is land that had been abandoned because the indigenous people of the time, the the Indians that were occupying that land, all died the year before. And they died of disease. Their entire population, minus one, died. The one person who does not die happens to be a person whom, check this out, Pat, happened to be somebody who spoke English, knew of the religion of the West, knew of the religion of these uh, Christian people, and they don't, and no longer had a claim to the land because he was brought in to the one of the other tribes in the area, which was, wait for this, very unusual at the time. They normally would have just killed that individual, but they brought that individual in. So you've got three, three parts of providential grace, if you will, that make up the story of how the pilgrims got here. And then fourth, that that individual teaches the 
chief of the the is it the um let me just double check on this uh let me just double check on this okay uh i'm gonna uh so it's samoset right is the chief that they meet And it was the Patoxic, okay, tribe that had been wiped out by a strange uh, plague. Previously inhabited the land on which the pilgrims were able to get. So they didn't steal anything, right? This, if you want to go all the way back, even to Jamestown, they didn't steal anything. They fought a war at Jamestown and won it by the way, to be able to get that land, which wait for this, Pat, indigenous tribes of all stripes, Pat, all of them, with the exception of very few, one of which is the Menominee Indian tribe in Wisconsin, fought war after war for, wait for it, other Indian tribe land. <gasps> no way. Shocker. I just, I just, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I want you to think about that, right? I want you to think about those things that are providential in all of this. But I'm reading from a, a book right here, The American Story, uh, The Beginnings. <clears throat> On their way to America, the storms were so fierce that the main beam broke endangering the lives of all on board. There were no tools on the ship to make the necessary repairs, but the pilgrims unexpectedly had with them what they needed to save the ship and continue the voyage. And what was that, Pat? A printing press that had, um, that had a wheel, if you will, and gears that were, they were able to use to help them fix that issue. Again, they were not trying to go to New England, but Northern Virginia. They landed at a location that had been inhabited by hostile Indians who would have undoubtedly attacked and likely killed them. They were met by Somerset, who spoke English and acquainted them with the region, later introducing them to Squanto. Squanto, by his personal and even unfortunate experiences over the previous 15 years, had been uniquely equipped to help the pilgrims. So what they're talking about with Squanto is that he had been enslaved and he had lived in England, learned English, understood all of these things. He adopted them as his own people, teaching them how to survive in the new world. They didn't steal a damn thing, Pat. They didn't steal a damn thing. By providence, by providence, they got their land. I hope people understand this. I, I, it's just amazing to me how, how many people don't understand it. Furthermore, I think, I think we could take this a step further. If, you know, if with, without them, without, without that providence, without the pilgrims, you know, 
America in of itself probably would not exist as we know it today, mm. right? I'm glad you brought that up because I've got some more information when it comes to that, Pat. Mm. Have you ever heard of a name John Howland? Yes. Okay. Well, for most people, you probably haven't. But without John Holland, Howland, excuse me, we do not get, check this out. He, he was one of the people on the Mayflower, okay? Mm-hmm. He, he decided to go topside on the Mayflower and was blown over because of the horrific conditions. Blown overboard. Able to grab onto a rope. There would have, again, because of the conditions, no way, no how they could have gone circle back and gotten them. Was able to grab onto a rope that happened to be trailing behind the Mayflower. Pulled himself back aboard and lived. He had 10 children, Pat. 10 of them. As a result, Holland's descendants now number in the millions, literally because of this. Among the descendants of John Holland, three U.S. presidents, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, George H.W. Bush, and George W. Bush, Edith Roosevelt, the wife of Teddy Roosevelt, signer of the U.S. Constitution, Nathaniel Gorman, or Gorham, sorry, governors Jeb Bush and Sarah Palin, poets Ralph Waldo Emerson and Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, Hollywood stars like Humphrey Bogart, Christopher Lloyd, Chevy Chase, and the Baldwin brothers. You don't think that America's history would be different? You don't think that that there's value in this? Well, where I I was going with this is that you know, we without without America in itself, you know, we don't have the American dream. We don't have the pull you up from your bootstraps, start your own business, the entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, what I'm arguing is, does Ben and Jerry's even exist without? No, because the, the pilgrims almost didn't exist. Right. The story of the pilgrims right. and 50 percent of the population dies within the first year. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And what do, what is the story that never gets told that? the way they got out of that dire situation, not just through, you know, the disease and the famine and all that is that they learned that the collectivism that they practiced where everything was kind of stored together and, and everybody shared in, in this and that, right. It was very much a socialistic society that they set up for themselves. But because of their interactions with the Indian tribes because of what they were able to learn from them. They learned much more of an individualistic look at things and they were able to not collectivize anymore. They figured out that collectively if they stored everything and it started to rot, they were all screwed, right? So they began to learn lessons and the difference between Jamestown and the the Plymouth Colony, the stories of them, are one of them learned lessons and had real providential guidance. The other was an abomination. The, the things that they did at Jamestown were horrific, terrible, very bad. Okay? 
not providential in any way, shape, or form. One of them survives, the other dies. To suggest that that this is just stolen land, right? <clears throat> because this is their contention, right? Um, when indigenous leaders blocked the road to Mount Rushmore before an Independence Day celebration, it highlighted a conflict that most Americans probably know little about. Long before South Dakota had become a state, long before the faces of four American presidents were blasted in the side of Mount Rushmore, the mountain was known as Tunksala Sakpe, Sakpe, the six grandfathers to the Lakota Sioux, a holy mountain that rises up from the Black Hills, land they considered sacred. And yes, this is not to deny that the United States of America, the Trail of Tears and, and um, uh, Wounded Knee, and all of those types of things that we know about in our history. It's not to suggest that the American um, West wasn't won by conquering land, taking land, doing some really bad things. That's not to say that. That is a reality, right? Right. We, we have black spots in our history. Yeah, we know this. But here's the question that I always have to these people. To whom do we return that land to? And from what period do we return the land to? Because I've got a really big question. Do we return it to the original owners or just the last people to have conquered the other people who lived there at that time? Whom are we re returning it to? Are they the rightful owners? But they... They went to war or they stole land or they made treaties amongst each other for land. Or in the case of many, many tribes out west, they were actually very nomadic people. See, this is the problem with the left when they talk about these things, Pat. It's a monolith. The indigenous people of America are a monolith. Are the Navajo the same as the Hopi? Are they the same as the Lakota Sioux? Are they the same as the Dakota? Are they the same as the Oneida, the Ojibwa? Are they the same as the Menominee, the Cherokee, the Seminoles, the Illinoisan tribe, the Potawatomi? No. In fact, every one of those that I just named, let's go with the Algonquin, let's go with whatever, right? The Iroquois, they all lived very differently, right? None of them were the same. They did not have a monolithic society structure. Some of them lived nomadic lives. Some of them lived in caves. Some, you know, some of them built, uh, uh, you know, the, um, how what do they call them out west, Pat? Um, in Arizona, not the not, not the uh, India, but the housing, um, the adobe housing. Yeah. Right. Uh, look out in California and in Oregon and in, you know, um, in Washington, right, where they did teepees and they had um, totem poles that didn't exist in in Eastern America. Right. That, that wasn't a thing that they did. Turns out their cultures were very different. Their lives were very different. Their livelihoods, their beliefs, everything. They're not a monolith. 
they're actually no different than those of us who immigrated here because all of us are not native to this land. That's what we know about the history, right? These The, the very first people to come here likely came here over a landmass because they were nomadic peoples coming from Asia and the Pacific Islands. So are we going to give the land back to the descendants of those people only? Or are we going to give them back to all of the people? And how do we reset that? It's, a, it's also a logistical problem. It is also a problem of a complete and utter mythical stature that the left gives to indigenous people. You know, they, they love the, the bag on Christopher Columbus Day, right? Right. And then we tell the story of what Christopher Columbus found. People who were cannibals, you know, cannibalistic tribes warring against each other. Now, Christopher Columbus leaves, and we all know the, the rest of the story, that things change and get weird, and, and there are some bad things that happened. They tried to enslave Christopher Columbus's people. Figure that out. People don't know that. They almost became slaves to the indigenous people because there were so few of them. And, and what happens in war with indigenous tribes? It's either convert, right? Convert or die. Or in some tribes, they don't kill the women and children. Some other tribes do. Some of them were cannibalistic. Others weren't the left gives these individuals and, and these tribes this mythical stature as if they're the greatest thing since sliced bread and they did nothing wrong ever and they were totally unworthy or totally worthy of of never us never interacting with them now we are not perfect either again but we recognize that and that we strive try to strive for a more perfect union. Yet to the left, it's disunion. We want to disassociate and go ahead. But do you see Ben and Jerry's saying, guess what? Um, we're going to give up ownership of our factory and the land that it's on to the whatever tribe? No, you don't. No. So that's why, you know, tweeted out, you first. You first. Go ahead. Go right on ahead. And then you got Cory Bush and the reparations and and Jill Scott singing some bastardized um, um, attempt at the uh, national anthem of the United States of America at the Essence Festival over uh, the July 4th weekend. And I'm not even going to play it because it's just so ridiculous. But what else do you expect from the Marxists, I guess, when it's a celebration of freedom? Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. 
Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So with that being said, Pat, before we get into freedom and the talk of that, um, why don't we do this? Let's go ahead and play a little bit of the B or not the B. Let's do it. All right, so today's headline, major pole dancing convention canceled because Florida made it illegal to strip in front of kids. Major pole dancing convention canceled because Florida made it illegal to strip in front of kids. And while you are thinking about that, folks, do not forget to grab yourself a very fresh cup of coffee every morning from our friends over at coffeebrandcoffee.com, where they focus on really high quality coffee Freshly roasted, put in the bag for you, and they don't give a bleep about your politics. That's right. Isn't that refreshing? They care about their product over politics. So go to coffeebrandcoffee.com, enter the promo code Critical Thinking at checkout for 5% off of your purchase today. Again, that is coffeebrandcoffee.com. Enter the promo code Critical Thinking at checkout to get 5% off. All right. Do you need the headline? One more time. Major pole dancing convention canceled because Florida made it illegal to strip in front of kids. I feel like they did something in regards to that. So I'm going to go with not the B. You are correct. It is not the B from Harris Rigby. I must inform you that Florida is continuing its streak of wins against the perverts. The LGBT folks are super mad that they're having to cancel their pole dancing convention in Orlando because for some reason, Republicans there have a problem with sex shows for kids. That's right. Pole dancing convention had to be moved from Orlando. That means old bad man, Florida. He hates gay people, and that's why they banned stripping in front of children. That's right. The 2024 pole dancing convention is going to be held in Orlando, but <clears throat> check this out. Um, it canceled uh, a major pole dancing convention no longer plans to head to Orlando in 2024 after Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a flurry of laws targeting the LGBTQ plus community, including one that targets drag shows. The International Pole Convention, known as PoleCon for short, because everything has to be Comic-Con, PoleCon, this con, <sighs> has decided to relocate the annual event because attendees will include people of various genders and ages, including youth performers, and children attending with their parents, and some attendees will be in drag. Okay, so first of all, it's not illegal to be in drag. For the love of all things holy. What it is illegal to do is expose yourself sexually to children. Like strippers. Or drag shows that are explicitly sexual in nature. Which, by the way, that is the point of a drag show. 
it is this this sounds like the 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 whole don't say gay bill all over again mm-hmm. where they're saying oh this is all about this when it's really not and then secondly pat what kind of a parent does that and brings their kid to this i i i cannot fathom sexualizing a child like that i cannot fathom that not a good one that's for sure I don't care if you're of the LGBT or elemental alphabet soup persuasion. I don't care. You shouldn't want to sexualize your child. But what we we have to give them what mommy and mommy or daddy and daddy or they them whatever are all about, right? We that's part of who we are. Right. It it's also part of mommy and daddy, right? And who they are. And should we be, I don't know, performing acts like that in front of children in the house? No. There's a difference between educating a child when they are becoming curious about it and when their body is changing and ready for it. And taking your five-year-old to some strip show. Guess what? If you, I don't give a crap if you were doing that and you were the dad taking the five-year-old son to the strip bar. That's still terrible parenting. It's, uh, to put very simply, as you put, you only teach your kids, you teach your kids about this, but just because you're teaching your kids about sex does not mean that you are sexualizing them. There's a difference. There's a difference between saying, for example... Uh, pornography mm-hmm. uh, there's a difference between teaching them about pornography and the dangers of pornography and then exposing them to pornography there's a difference between teaching them about sex and what what it means and how you're supposed to do it and things like that and then showing them how to have sex like the, there, there's a very di- big difference on on all of that and I'm like one of which is teaching your kids. The other one is sexualizing them. Mm-hmm. You avoid that one. Yep. You teach them about these things and you teach them when they are physically, emotionally, mentally, and I would even say spiritually ready to, to gain that knowledge. And that's as, as that, and I, I would leave that up to the parent saying, you know, when is best for your kid to start understanding how all of this stuff works and why. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you there. Um, But from that insanity to, I think one of the greatest things I've ever seen on the 4th of July, Pat, because we got, this is both good and bad. I will say this. It's, it's bad that this had to come to this, but it is great to see that in the case of the state of Missouri at all versus Joseph R. Biden Jr. at all, <clears throat> the United States District Court in the Western District of Louisiana has issued a preliminary injunction barring, wait for this, collusion between government and private businesses to squelch speech online. That's right, folks. We got a ruling that basically limits the censorship powers of the federal government. 
And what do we know from the Twitter files, right? What do we know from like what Matt Taibbi and others, um, the Facebook files that have come out as well, right? The the lesser of the two of the, the file uh, dumps that came out. What do we know? We know that Twitter, Facebook, you know, all, all of these types of companies, the FBI, the NIAID, the CDC, the alphabet soup of the bureaucracy of the federal government, at the behest of the White House, who was also involved in this by and by, Crean Jean-Pierre, all these types of people were doing what? They were not just, hey, wink, wink, could you look into this? And uh, maybe maybe you should, you know, um, these things are not factual or whatever, right? That's not what they were doing. They were pressuring social media companies into censoring speech around COVID, censoring speech around January 6th, censoring all sorts of online free speech. The First Amendment right to speak doesn't mean that you just get to speak what the government wants you to do. And more importantly, the Twitter files, the Facebook files were showing us absolute collusion. Not just the government talking to a company, but the company talking back to the government. And in some cases, asking the government to help them uh, with censorship and vice versa. The uh, FBI attempting to subvert the Constitution. And social media companies just willingly handing information over. We talked about Bank of America and what they were doing by pulling not just those who did ATM transactions or transactions on their system uh, around January 6th. Also then cross-referencing them with anybody who had also made a gun purchase at any point in time in their entirety of doing business with Bank of America. Right? It's akin to that. Here you go. We're just going to give you what you want. Subverting not just the First Amendment, but arguably the Fourth and Fifth Amendments to the United States Constitution. But we finally, on July 4th, year of our Lord, 2023, Got a, got a temporary injunction in which we'll see if this continues on forward. It looks like the, uh, the government is going to appeal this decision because, of course, but District Court Judge Ch- Terry uh, Doty ruled against the Biden administration in a pivotal free speech case brought by Republican attorney generals on behalf of individuals punished by these social media companies at the behest of federal officers. Uh, Reasons Eric Baim notes the following. The underlying case alleges that coordination between government officials and social media companies, including Meta, the owner of Facebook and Instagram, and Twitter, routinely silenced opinions that challenged the mainstream narrative about the COVID-19 pandemic and other hot-button issues. Now, again, there's an ocean of evidence of this, right? Like, we know. We have all of the emails. We have all of the back and forth between Twitter, Meta, other companies in the, the U.S. government. Like Green Jean-Pierre, we have the White House Chief of Staff, we have the White House Counsel, we have uh, high-level people in the FBI, we have low-level people in the FBI, we have people in the CIA, we have people at the um, 
Health and Human Services, NIAID, right? We have Anthony Fauci. We have all sorts of people. And why this story is important is that this is the first step in putting back the guideposts, right? The first step in saying, no, you don't get to violate the Constitution just because you don't like somebody's speech or that their speech is counter to government narrative. It's the first step. The second step is think twice before you ever do this again. And that think twice is I'm going to sue the ever-loving crap. If I were, you know, like Alex Berenson has been doing, right? Alex Berenson is taking on the government and Twitter and Meta. And, and he won a very pivotal case by simply pushing Twitter into court. And say, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't want to give you all that discovery. So they settled. But the settlement was that discovery also must become public. So Alex Berenson helped all of us. Now, naturally, the left, Pat, like, I don't know, Ryan J. Riley, argues the FBI is not policing social media enough. It's not as though the FBI has been going in and saying, hey, take down this post. The FBI is not very good at monitoring social media. Look at what happened on January 6th. There are all of those warning signs. You're right. um, They missed a bunch of warning signs, but that would be their job, right? That would be, hey, let's put two and two together. That's quite literally the job of the FBI, right? Mm -hmm. But I hate to tell Ryan J. Riley that is literally what the FBI did. They literally went to Twitter, to Meta, and said, um, these posts on COVID, these posts on this topic, that topic, they need to come down. Um, You need to censor this type of speech on these type of topics. That's literally what they did. (laughs) For instance, the FBI, right? They flagged joke tweets about the 2020 election, asking moderators at Twitter to take them down. The White House itself did the same thing. White House Digital Strategy Director Rob Flaherty personally appealed to Twitter to remove an account that parodied Biden's granddaughter. Please remove this account immediately. 45 minutes later, Twitter had complied. This is a win for our freedom. Now, is the fight's not over, but hopefully you you are now awake to what has been going on. The fact that we had to win this is pathetic. The fact that this had to go to court is pathetic. The fact that uh, the bureaucracy of the executive branch, because that's really what we're dealing with, folks. We're dealing with the DOJ, the FBI, the CIA, uh, Department of Homeland Security, all of the alphabet soup of the bureaucracy. It only really exists inside the purview of the executive branch. Do we need another amendment or another uh, a rewrite of the First Amendment to include online speech? Do we need to do that? I don't know. Your thoughts here. I, I, I just find it ironic that you've got people in media, by the way, that are pissed off about this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're in media. You're a journalist. You, you need speech to do your job. 
why would you ar- ever argue for something that is contrary or could become contrary to your job? It, it's it's kind of like um, when you talked about all the sports journalists <laughs> and how and how they 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 fundamentally argued against their jobs in in the COVID years, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't, it, it, I'm like, you're arguing against yourself. You're arguing against your own job. Like, yeah. you have to be able to speak. And yeah. and sometimes you have to be able to talk about controversial topics. Yeah, I get it. Not everybody's going to like what you have to say. Not everybody likes what we have to say, by the way, which it, it's fine. But we have the right to be able to speak these things. Now, we've also said that we may have the right to free speech, but we we also have to face the consequences of that mm-hmm. free speech at times, right? Exactly. So and by the way, that. this by the way, this injunction, right? This preliminary mm-hmm. injunction and and uh the furtherance of this case um the terms of this, he's the the judge uh is it uh Doty yeah, Doty's. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't have to say his name, but yeah, um, but it, he clearly defines the the guideposts. For instance, it does allow the federal government to notify social media companies about specific threats to national security, criminal efforts to suppress voting, foreign attempts to influence an election, communications that are intended to deceit, prevent, or mitigate malicious uh, to detect. Excuse me, prevent or mitigate malicious cyber activity. Um, also. Prior to COVID, folks, that's exactly what this communication really was between these companies, and I'm fine with that. I that that's that, that, because here's why: because it's criminal activity. It is activity right. that shouldn't. Hey, by the way, you you're you're allowing child porn on your uh, stuff. Should we notify you of that? Probably. Yeah. Right? Yes. Probably. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's again everything that you just mentioned there. Mm-hmm. is illegal already so yeah you you would have a you would have a moral obligation at that point to notify hey like this crap is going on we need to shut this stuff down that's different that's not eliminating free speech that's eliminating criminal activity but, illegal activity but here's the rub right because if you read kind of like this this entire 155 pages if you read the first half it seems like almost a complete shutdown. And then you read the, yeah, but in the second half. And so while this is a win, this is a very tepid win. This is not like the slap to the government and that everybody on the, on the right has been celebrating. I'll just put it that way, because as Will Dullfield, uh, Duff of Duffield, excuse me, the policy analyst at the Cato Institute noted The top half of the injunction reads like a complete and total shutdown of government communication with social media platforms until courts figure out what's going on. But the bottom half includes exceptions wide enough to include many of the most controversial government communications with the platforms. Right? Because let's think about this. What was one of the things that they used to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story? foreign interference in an election right Mm, right. this was this was russian bots and and the new york post was was uh carrying water for foreign interference in the election and this wasn't true so we had to censor it by censoring that speech 
And by using the parameters of, well, this is uh, election interference, they suppressed an absolutely 100% legitimately true story that, by the way, the FBI knew to have been a legitimate story for over a year at that point. They knew it was legitimate because it was in their own possession. And they had been looking into it for over a year. So while this is a nice piece of paper that says, don't do that, it, it kind of is on the next step on our Congress and the Senate, right? It is on the legislative side to rein in the executive branch when it comes to this. Let's get some definition of the terms. What do you mean by foreign interference in elections? Define that term so that the federal government has an absolute guidepost that it cannot violate. These are, these are the things that fall within that parameter. Or how do you get to determine that in which they can then go to the social media company and demand action? Where, where, where's that uh, determination coming from? Is it defined in law? Are we defining these terms legally? Are we having to go before a court in order to get an order for that to happen? And in which case, do we have legal jurisprudence or legal definitions of these terms? Oh, wait, we don't. See, this is part and parcel of the problem that has existed for a long time, is that those of us on the right have all kind of leaned on the courts to give us the advantage, right? To, to help us politically, because we know that the GOP ain't going to do anything when it comes to action. This is an area in which they could really help define those terms, right? Define the terms that they were allowed to do, right? What's a threat to national security online? What is a criminal effort to suppress voting? What is a foreign attempt to an influence an election? How do you know this and how do you define it? How do you prove it? Do you have to give those social media companies proof, right? Or does it have to go through a court order for that to happen? This would be easily defined and understood by everybody if it were to be what? Defined in law, written by the Congress and Senate. But they're not willing to do that work. And by the way, define malicious cyber activity. What the hell is that? Define it. Don't leave it to a court to define it anymore. Here are the three here are the three or four ways or things in which you as the government can interact with them to demand action. All right? Define those terms. Let's have that debate. They're unwilling because they're unserious people in our Congress. And the fact that we have to celebrate somebody saying, yeah, yeah, the government can't curtail your First Amendment right just because it doesn't like your speech online is insane. With that, Pat, uh, do you have any final thoughts on this story or anything else today? Like I said, I just I, I find it highly ironic that that uh, people, especially in media, are pissed off about this because it's literally contrary to your job. Um, but you're right. I think we have to define 
terms, it's pathetic that we would have to do that at this point. Um, you would think that a, this would have been done a long time ago and B why aren't we, why are we having that conversation now and defining those terms? Why is, why hasn't the government approached it from that angle? It, it, it really is pathetic, but do you expect anything else coming from such an inept government at this point, especially from a party like the GOP that is as inept as they are? I mean, the Democrats aren't going to do this because they, they want to censor anything that is contrary to what they believe. And so, since we were talking about uh, freedom of speech and our founding fathers and all of that, I'm going to leave you with this on this topic before we head out. From George Washington, March 15th of 1783. From this decision, by the way, for if men are to be precluded from offering their sentiments on a matter which may involve the most serious and alarming consequences, that can invite the consideration of mankind. Reason is of no use to us. The freedom of speech may be taken away, and dumb and silent we may be led like sheep to the slaughter. Hmm. He is literally saying, even if it is the most serious and alarming situation, that's what uh, government should never be able to do. Take away your freedom of speech. And with that, Pat, your final thoughts on today's show. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And Andrew, happy three years. Yes. Happy three year anniversary, Pat. What would what, you get me? Um, this. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> and with all of that, folks, please be smart, be safe, be kinder than Pat. And as always, make sure you eat all of your meals today in Matthew 547. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.